All right, let's take a look at the Word of God together uh, this morning. Taking a look at the Word of God, we're looking at Matthew chapter 2 this morning. Matthew chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Bethlehem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we, his, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is so written by the prophet, For you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them the time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down, and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we want to be like these wise men. Lord, we, we want to come ready to worship. Lord, we want to be ready to cover long distances. Lord, we want to be able to just pour out our entire lives to you, everything that we have say, take our best, take our worst, take all of it. And Lord, we give it to you because of who you are. We pray these things in your name. Amen. You ever stop and wonder, how did I get here? <laughs> uh, maybe sometime you've gotten lost. Maybe sometime you drove and, and, and you weren't sure where you were going, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a part of town or in a different state than you were expecting to, and you say, how on earth did I get here? Sometimes you can be at a different life stage and say, how did I get here? How did I get to be a grown-up with kids and a real job and some gray in your beard? How did that happen? How did all of a sudden did I arrive at this location? Those questions can kind of pop in our heads every once in a while. You kind of look back and say, what was the path that got me here? I never expected to be in this location. This morning, as we think about the wise men, I certainly think they could have been echoing that question. How did we get here? How did we end up here in this location? Because I will tell you that this was never on their bucket list. This was never on their plan to end up in front of an infant in Bethlehem pouring out their gifts and their lives and their worship to this person. How did they get here? 
You know, when I think about the entire Christmas story, the wise men are the most out-of-place part of the Christmas story. As I teach it, as I study it, as, I, as we talk about it together, I can tell you, well, these guys fit right here because of this, and they fit in here, and they, they, they fit here. We, we, we can kind of compare these guys to the shepherds. Uh, the shepherds got invited because they were next door. They were local. They were right there already there. They were connected to Bethlehem already. That was their town. That was their place. There was a connection between them and David. It was a connection to the idea that the one who was born was going to be the shepherd of all of the people. It is entirely logical for the shepherds to be there. But the wise men, they were about as far from local as you could possibly be. In fact, not only did they not live next door, they didn't live close. They lived quite far away. And in fact, they weren't even of the same people. They weren't of the same race. They weren't of the same nationality. They weren't of the same religion. They were outsiders. They had none of the same shared history that all of the rest of the people in this story had. And so they, 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 how did we get here? This isn't even our people. The amount of ground that they had to cover, the distance that they had to cover, how did we get here? The, the amount of difficulty that they would have faced covering that terrain, trying to get from where they were to, to Jesus. The, the amount of difficulty that they had to cover when they didn't even really know where they were going there. They had to stop and ask for directions uh, along the way. And then when they arrive at that scene with Jesus and his mother and his family, I don't know all that they knew. I don't know what they understood. I don't know the theological depth of what they, but they knew that in this moment, they had been brought there by the star. They knew that in this moment, this was a fulfillment of some scriptures. They knew in this moment that he was worthy of worship. And they knew that in this moment that they had been invited. They knew in this moment that he was worthy of pouring out the treasures of their life. I think they could stop for a moment and say, how, how did we get here? How, how did we get to this place? How did we get to this moment? One of the features in uh, old Facebook, I don't know whether it's still, still there or not, but it, to be honest with you, it was one of my favorite features in old Facebook. It, it would tell you who was near and who was far. Anybody remember that? It, it would be of all of your Facebook friends. It would tell you, you know what, somebody is, is a mile and a half away from you. And another thing is that this person is 1,800 miles away or 4,000 miles away. I don't know whether it's a feature anymore because if we stop and think about it, it may not be a great idea to tell the internet where you are. It may not be a great idea to tell the entire world. It may not be a great idea to tell Facebook all the time, this is where I am. But I liked it. Sometimes when I would travel, I'd go see my, my parents. I'd pull that up at the airport just to see if anybody I knew was, was at the airport. Sometimes I could pull that up and, and I would be able to say, oh wow, somebody must be on a trip. They're, they're 4,000 miles away. I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what's, what's going on with them. And it would be able to tell you, these people are close and these people are far away, near and far. 
near and far. If we had an app or a device that wouldn't tell us how close our Facebook friends were, but it would reveal how far we were from God today, what would it tell us? I don't, I don't mean this to be a sense of guilt or anything like that, but I just mean, man, in your heart, in your spirit, is this a day that you feel close to the things of God? Or is this a day that you feel really, really far? Who's near and who's far? Who's near and who's far in terms of where things are with God? As we think about this, I want to think about both near and far. And in a few minutes, we're going to get to the question of the people who are near. We're going to talk to folks that are near. But this morning, I want to think about far. I want to think about what is it that God says to people who feel and are a long way off today, that feel spiritually distant, who feel spiritually isolated. Really, the number one takeaway that I want you to hear this morning is that God has had the people who are far away on his heart for a long time. God has had on his heart the people who are far away for a long time. In fact, I want to read just a couple of passages of Scripture that are really the introduction to what we just read about the wise men's story. This is from the book of Zechariah, uh, beginning in chapter 8 and verse 20. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, People shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another and say, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days ten men from the nations far away of every tongue shall come take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Isaiah chapter 60 says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. You hear that? Do you hear that? From long ago, centuries before the wise men came, God said, listen, there are going to be people who are far away who are going to hear a rumor about the presence of God. And they're going to say, we want to find God. It was in God's heart. Centuries before the birth of Christ, that there would be people who were a long ways off that would come and find and discover and know God. 
God has had those who are a long ways off on his heart for a really long time. So this morning, I want to spend just a few minutes thinking about the secrets of a long journey. The secrets of a long journey for those who are a long ways off. Here are some things that I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture, and I want you to notice about life that surrounds us. Number one, people are searching. People are searching. You know, I said that the wise men were the most out-of-place people in the Christmas story. They're also the most fascinating. I say this every year. Best wardrobe of anybody in the manger scene. I mean, they got the shiny robes. They got the best hats. I mean, they, they, they got the stuff. They got camels. Nobody else gets camels. These guys are absolutely fascinating. Sometimes we call them wise men. Sometimes we call them magi. Sometimes we call them kings. We're not even sure what to call these guys. They, they are the most fascinating people in the whole story. And so it kind of leads us wondering, who, who are these guys? Well, they're a mixture of a whole bunch of things. On the one hand, they, they are old school astronomists that are looking at the stars and trying to understand the, the stars and, and charting things and, and measuring things. And so they're just astronomers. But there's also a part of them that are probably closer to what we would call astrologers who don't just want to track the stars, but they really believe that there's something that's happening in the stars that is going to be a predict that's going to predict what's going to happen in life, and they're trying to connect what's happening in the world with, with, with meaning. So in some sense, there's a little bit of a sense that these guys are astronomers, these guys are astrologers, that these guys are theologians, that these guys are people who are trying to connect meaning to the world that is around them. And really, that's kind of everybody, isn't it? people who are trying to connect meaning to the world in which they live. You're trying to figure out meaning to the world in which you live. Now, sometimes you're really, really busy, and you don't really have a lot of time to think deep thoughts. But every once in a while, you get a pause. You're like, what is all this for? What, 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 what's the goal here? What's the, the measure of success? What's happening in my life here? I will tell you that there's a dozen people that you pass every single day that are asking those kinds of questions. They're hungry. They're searching. Deep down inside, they have a sense there's got to be more to this world than what I can see, touch, feel, and smell. There's got to be more than this. That's part of what drove the wise men. They didn't study the skies. They didn't study all of this stuff just because it was a hobby and it made them lots of fun at parties. They did it because there was a search for meaning. They believed that there was something more. They believed that there was something that was unique that was out there. They believed that there was something remarkable that was out there. They would gather together and say, there has got to be more than this. Man, I'm telling you, while the wise men may seem like the most extraordinary and unique people, that hunger, that statement, that desire that says there has got to be more than this, may be one of the most common refrains of our culture today. There has got to be more than this. 
I want you to know that there are people who are searching. You may be searching today. It's not really surprising. We were made in the image of God. We have been touched by something that is bigger than us. Every time that we look inside of ourselves, every time we see even a reflection of ourselves, we're not just seeing ourselves, but we are seeing something that is bigger than us greater than us, more remarkable than us. And that still lingers inside of our hearts and our minds and says, there's got to be more. Not only were we made in the image of God, but he gave us life with his very breath. So yes, there's something in the back of our minds that says there's got to be something more. And because of that, we hunger for a reunion. We hunger for a greater relationship. We, we hunger for meaning. We hunger for hope. And that was there in the lives of the wise men. That's there that surrounds us all of the time. You ever step out your back door? Okay, I think most of you have. But you ever step out the back door and go, somebody's grilling. Somebody in the neighborhood has got something on the grill. Give me a moment. I smell pork. I, I smell some chicken. Oh, okay. They, they use some KC Masterpiece. All right, I got that. I, I can smell all of those things. All of a sudden, you're trying to figure out which way the wind is blowing. How, how do I find my way to where that grill is? You're trying to think, have I borrowed anything from one of my neighbors that I could go and return right now so that I can get as close to it? There is an aroma in the air, and it makes you hungry for more. Man, i got to tell you, as true as that is, for some meat on the grill, it is even more true for meaning in life. We open the door and we sense, we smell, we catch just the aroma. There is something more than what we can see, touch, and feel. And you may be searching. I'm telling you the people of our world today hunger and search and are seeking for something more than what we see. Even those who are a long ways off. But I'll also tell you that God keeps speaking. God keeps speaking. It's not just a matter of the fact that people are searching. Because let me tell you that if you go out that back door and you, ooh, that smells good. Boy, you, you can smell that all day long. That smell by itself is not going to satisfy you. There, there are no calories in that smell. You, you are not going to be able to fill up anything. It may awaken you, but it's not going to satisfy you. And so there's a lot of folks that are saying, I'm hungry, I'm searching, I'm looking for something. But that search, that hunger, that desire alone does not fill us in any way. So therefore, God speaks to us. God speaks to us. I want you to think about some of the ways in which God spoke to these wise men. One of the ones that is fascinating to me is the fact that I believe that God spoke to these wise men through people that they had never met. And what I mean by that is that these wise men most likely came from a region around Babylon 
where the people of Israel generations earlier had been taken in captivity. They had been prisoners of war and taken to Babylon. And they had lived there for 70 or so years. And I believe that there lingered in that place. Some of the words of truth and some copies of God's word remained there. And stories and rumors of a God who would give a people hope even while they were in the middle of captivity. And so a couple of generations later, these wise men are still studying those scriptures. And God's voice still is being heard. And the words of those Jews is still echoing through Babylon. Obviously, God spoke through the star. We have no idea what that was. People have tried to pinpoint it and say it was a comet, it was a, an asteroid, it was this. I don't think we know. I know that we don't know. Well, whatever your favorite guess is, cool, keep that guess. Just know that we don't know. But God put something in their line of sight and caught their attention, drew them. God spoke through that. But when they, when they begin their journey and they don't even know where they're going, they end up in Jerusalem and, and they, they lose track of the, the journey. And God provides for them scribes and priests who are experts in the law. And they can say, here's the prophecy that says this is where the king is going to be born. He puts in front of them experts who know the answer and can point them to the answer. Experts that can say, yes, this is it. And this is where you need to be. He gives, them, he gives them copies of the Word of God that centuries earlier had been preparing for them. I love the fact, we don't know how many wise men they were, but we know that it was more than one because it's wise men. And I think that's a big deal. You don't think that in that long journey there wasn't some encouragement that they weren't the only person going on that journey? That there wasn't some encouragement that says, listen, I, I think I'm going to pack a bag and I think I'm going to find out where the star's leading. You don't think there was some encouragement that somebody else was going along the way? It's part of the reason we encourage you to be part of a small group. There's an encouragement of being with some other people that are on the same journey that you are. All of these ways in which God speaks to them. I wonder about some of the people that God has used in your life to speak truth to. Maybe it was a grandparent who was so faithful to pray for you and speak truth for you and love you and point you to Jesus. Maybe it was a friend who, to be true, true, to be honest, you kind of thought was a little weird to start with. They showed you what it meant to know Jesus and to follow Jesus, and they spoke truth into your life. Maybe it's a random word that you read someplace, heard someplace, saw on social media, but God used it to speak truth into your life. Maybe it was an experience at church. Maybe it was recent. Maybe it's when you were eight years old where God spoke a word of truth into your life. 
Maybe it was something that you read in his word, reading the Bible for yourself. Maybe it was a, a word of hope that he put inside of your heart. But God keeps speaking. And if you feel like you're a long ways off today, I want you to pay attention to the ways in which God has been trying to speak to you. And that includes this moment right now. The old church joke is, you know, oh, the, pre the preacher was preaching at me. He preached that whole sermon just for me. And the truth is I'm not smart enough to do that. But I would tell you, if you feel a long ways off today, yes, that is God telling you today that he speaks to you and he has a word for you. It's part of the reason why we have the hope box. It was in the foyer there for, for a couple of months and just with decorations we brought it inside here. But that, that hope box where, where we took the name of someone and we said we're praying for that person where we, we, we took the, a ball and we said we're, we're going to invite this person to church. We're, we're going to tell this person about Jesus and we, we put their name in that box not because there's magic in the box but it just reminds us. We're supposed to be the kind of people that pray for people, invite people, and tell them about Jesus. That's how God keeps speaking. It's through you praying for someone, for you inviting someone, for you telling them about them. Remember I said that one of the reasons why the wise men knew anything to look this direction was because the Jews had been there in Babylon. And some of that word stayed I want you to know that some of that word, they didn't enjoy speaking. Scripture tells us that, that there would be times in which the Israelites, when they were so far from their, they were so far from the city that they loved, so far from their place of worship, the closest they could do is that they would gather by the river, just have time together and worship together. And some of the Babylonians would come around them and in a mocking fashion say, hey, sing one of your happy songs. Sing, sing one of your songs about Jerusalem. Yeah, that city that we tore down. They mocked them. Sing us one of those songs. But I'll tell you this. The people of Jerusalem sang their songs. And the people of Babylon heard them. And when a star appeared in the east, when the star appeared, they knew the story because of the songs that the Israelites had sung. Your song, your testimony, could be something that God uses in somebody's life, even if it comes in a hard moment. Even if it comes in a hard moment. So people are searching God keeps speaking. But here's the third part that's really important. There are moments that require action. There are moments that require action. So, so here's the pieces that we, we have on the table. There, there, there are the, the, the wise men who are hungry and they are searching. There's got to be something more. God speaks into their life in the past, in the present, in, in the future. He's speaking into that. Their pieces are starting to come together the things that they remember, the things that they see, the things that they ache for. 
But at some point in time, the wise men had to say to one another and had to say to, say to themselves, let's go. Let's go. In fact, they have to go home and pack. They have to go back to their office and write one of those out-of-office automatic reply emails. I'm going to be out of my office until such and such a time. They've got to go tell their families, hey, we're going on a trip. When are you coming back? We're not sure where you're going. Don't know. Why are you going? What are you going to go see? Not really sure about that either. And they rearrange their life. They rearrange their, their resources. They rearranged their calendars, and they said, let's go. In fact, I think one of my favorite things in that Zechariah passage that we read a few minutes ago is that one person says to another, listen, I hear God is doing things. You should come, but for sure I'm going. I'm going. Hey, it tells us that they take the hem of a Jewish person, a person who knows the story of God and says, Take me to where I can hear from God. It takes action. It requires action. So they pack their stuff, they pack their bag, and off they go. Now this is in contrast with a couple other people that we see in the story. This is in contrast with Herod. They, they come to Jerusalem and they say to Herod, uh, Hey, uh, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And, and Herod raises his hand and says, you found him. And he's like, no, not you, which makes him a little worried, makes him a little anxious. You see, there's a backstory with Herod. Uh, he, he's sometimes by history called Herod the Great. And the thing is, he wasn't great. He wasn't Jewish, and he wasn't really a king. He was just kind of a governor who gave himself better business cards. Uh, and so when they say to him, we're looking for the king of the Jews, he's not really enthusiastic about this. Because for Herod, if somebody else has been born king of the Jews, that means he can't be king of the Jews. And that becomes a, an existential crisis for, for Herod. It's not really unlike the crisis that we have sometimes. Because Herod had to discover that either Jesus was the real king or he was the real king. Really, that's the same question that every person has to come up for their own decisions. You know, we like to think I'm king of my own life. I'm king of my own circumstances. I'm king of my own decisions. No one else may call you king, but you like to think, you know what, I'm, I'm king. I'm in charge of my own stuff. But Jesus came to be the one who is truly king. And what he wants to do is he wants us to step down off that throne and recognize that he is the ruler and that he is king. And Herod struggled. He, he, he should have. He had opportunity to go and meet Jesus. But because he was conflicted in his heart about who should be king of his life, he missed it. There are people today that struggle with the idea of Jesus being king of their life. And they miss it because of that. They would rather be king of their own life and miss Jesus. 
It cost Herod. The other people that miss it here, and this is the one that boggles my mind, they are the scribes and the priests. They are the experts in the Word of God. They, they are the ones who should have this hunger waiting for the king to be born, waiting for the Messiah to be born. They are the one that, that Herod calls up and says, hey, I need an expert opinion on this. What, what's this word about one being born king of the Jews? Like, well, Herod, um, it's right here in Scripture. He's going to be born here, and, and this is what he's going to be, and this is what he's going to do. And then they go back home. It was their job. It was their hunger. It was their job. It was their hunger to meet the Messiah. And then here come these guys and says, we saw this star. We've traveled all this way. We've come to Jerusalem. They match it up, find it in Scripture, and say, oh, there it is. At no point do they say to the wise men, hey, can we carpool with you? Can we ride with you? Hold up, we're going to go grab a bag and we're going to go with you as well. Here's the thing. The wise men came from far. Herod and the scribes and the priests were close. And the ones who were far found it easier to find Jesus than the ones that were close. Now, that's good news if you're far. That's good news if you're far because what that says is, listen, God has had his heart and his eyes on you for a long time. And he has cleared a path no matter how far away you are. He has cleared a path for you to come. That's great news. The hard news is that sometimes people get close they just think close enough. They don't, they think, you know what, I, I'm in church most of the time. I'm better than most of my neighbors. I can give you a list. I, I, I don't do terrible things. And so they get this far without going all the way to Jesus. Listen, that pathway is wide open for you as well. The difficulty is that sometimes we live close and don't feel the need to go all the way to Jesus. My challenge to you, if you are a person who's close, who's near, who's familiar, don't miss that last part of the journey you go to Jesus and you pour out your whole life to him. Say, here's the treasures, the resources of my life. This is me in worship given to you. Don't miss that. Here's the word that, I, that I'd want you to know today is that God is speaking to you. God, God still has a word that he wants to, to pour into your life. 
God has a message that He wants you to hear. As we've been saying for several weeks now, He wants He wants to move you. So whatever that next thing is in your walk with God, He, he wants to move you. He wants to increase that hunger inside of your life. He continues to pour words inside of your life so that when that moment comes, you are ready for action. What is that next thing that He wants to do inside of your life? Is it to begin a faith journey? Is there a, a new part of your life that you need to hand, hand over to Him? Is there a new place that you need to trust Him? Is there a next step of your journey that you're supposed to take? I believe that even in this moment that God speaks into your life and says, this is that next thing that I'm calling you to do. This is that next trusting place for your life. But what is that next thing that, that he has in mind for you? And I want to pray for you today that you would know that and that you would be ready to take that, to take that step. At the end of the service, I'm going to be around. Pastor Caleb's going to be around. Pastor Colby will be around. If you don't know what that next step is supposed to be in your life, man, that's what we're here for, is to have those kinds of conversations. But man, if there's a stirring in your heart that says, man, I'm supposed to do something, I just don't know what. That's what we're here for, to help you with that. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with your people that are here. Lord, whether they're near or whether they're far. Lord, whether they're discouraged or whether they're confident. Lord, I pray that you would speak into their lives. Lord, I pray that you would give them the knowledge that you have a next step for them that they are not forgotten and they are not set aside but Lord that you have a next step for them Lord I pray that you would help across this room people to move forward in their walk with you to whatever it is that you speak into their life today we pray this in your name. Amen.